You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. In Jesus' name. All right, very quickly. Stop playing for like three minutes and resume so that I can start teaching. All right, very quickly. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. Um, before I go into the teaching, very quickly, this is the last week of the fast, right? Some of you just, you suppressed a woo. You were going to shout, woo, then you now realize, wait, that's not a good thing, let me not shout. <laughs> it's okay, if you're excited, shout. Hallelujah! Yeah. <laughs> this is the last week of the fast. Let me admonish you. Take it seriously. Um, a window is open in the realm of the Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And everyone who would press in will drink of it. There is no limit to how far you can go in God. No limit. And I mean that, I mean what I just said. You may be small in stature on the earth, but a giant in the spirit. It's possible. So take this last week of fasting seriously. Spend more time in prayers. Spend more time in study. God has something to say. Amen? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. And in, in the year that the king Uzzah died, I saw the Lord, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Next verse. Above it stood the seraphim, and each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain did he fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. We deliberately titled today's, this anniversary service, The Glory Train. Because when I started this teaching series on the glory flow, I explained to you how that there are many ways you can discern the glory of God. And one of them, I told you, was the appearance of God. And we read this verse of scripture, um, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. And we talked about how when God moves, when God appears in a place, his glory comes with him. Are we together? His glory appears with him. All of God appears with him. And that statement might seem, um, it may seem nondescript. It may seem very, very ambiguous because what does it mean what do you mean by the glory of the lord moves with him and his glory fills the um, the glory train fill the temple you will see an effect of that statement when you see what the seraphim cried when one said to the other um, holy 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 is the lord god almighty the earth is filled with his glory how is the earth filled with the glory of God? Because if you think about it, if the earth is filled with the glory of God and everything we have read about the glory of God up until now is true, then is either the Bible is lying or it's not really filled with the glory of God the way we thought it would be. 
Because the Bible talks about how the ministers ministered in a place. Remember that, that, that um, story? I think it was in Second Kings. The ministers ministered in a place. And the glory of God filled the temple so much so that the ministers could not stand to sing. That's the glory of God. I told you the story of how Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane having prayed for a bit. And then these people came to look for him. And they, he asked, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. The Bible says that they fell back and fell. Like they staggered back and fell on the floor. Jesus only said, I'm the one. So if the glory of God truly has filled the earth, we shouldn't have crime in the world. How do you want to commit crime in the glory of God? Where singers could not stand to sing, it's now crime you want to commit. And the reason why it seems like that statement is just ambiguous is because we don't understand how the glory of God filled the earth. Last week, we ended the teaching by saying that there was a mystery that was hidden from the ages, which has now been revealed, which is what? Come on, chorus it like a mass choir. Which is what? The hope of glory. So, when Isaiah wrote this, he probably didn't understand what the seraphim was crying. When the seraphim said, the glory of God has covered the earth. There is the glory of God covering the earth in that God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But then there is something even more powerful about the glory of God covering the earth. And it is that God decided that he would release into the earth little glory capsules. That is you and I. And everywhere we go, we spread that glory. There is a picture in the Old Testament. And I, and I see it as a parable. It's a story in the Old Testament about Samson. That I think properly explains what I'm trying to teach. Samson went into a field. He caught two foxes, two. And he held them by the tail. He tied their tails together and tied fire to the tails. right? And set them off in the field. And the two foxes ran off into the field. And those two foxes set the entire field ablaze. That's how God works. You see, for the glory of God... To fill, the to fill the earth. God doesn't come into the earth and start moving around. That okay, let my glory be here now. And let my glory be here. What God does is that he takes willing people. He injects that glory into their lives. And sets them free. Are you with me? Let me give you an example that Jesus said. All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go you therefore and make disciples of all nations. Do you know how ridiculous that statement is? You are talking to 12 men. 12. The number of people that Jesus was speaking to at the time was 12. And he asked them to turn the world upside down. God has God-sized visions. God thinks like God. <laughs> are you with me? Listen, even us as much as we have faith that we can change the world, we don't believe we'll do it to 12 men. Are you with me? If we wanted to take Yaba for Christ, we'll first of all organize a march and try and gather as many people as possible for that march. Then we'll now go out and do mass evangelism. Is that correct? Jesus looked at 12 people and he saw them and said, go and take over this world. Make disciples. Do you know what it means to make disciples of nations? So, what Jesus was banking on was not their ability, but his glory inside of them. 
All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore. It means that there is nothing that you will encounter that is more powerful than the power that I'm sending you with. So go. Are you with me? Go. Move. At the crossover service, we read a verse of scripture. And I told you that that verse of scripture would guide the air for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. I'm, I'm running through my notes because I have a lot of things that I want to do this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. I know what to do. Are you there? It says, um, 2 Corinthians, not Chronicles. Chronicles is the, all the way in the Old Testament, you guys. You know what? Please open your Bibles. 2 Corinthians 2.14. I have no idea why. Okay, it's on the screen now. Everybody look to the screen. Read together. One, two, go. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the servant of his knowledge by us in every place. Continue verse 15. I want to show you something. For we are unto God a sweet servant of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Next verse. To the, one who are, to the one, we are the server of death unto death. And to the other, we are the server of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Stop here. Let me explain this verse of scripture to you. What Paul was borrowing from. Because many times when Paul taught, Paul borrowed from concepts in his time that people that he was teaching would generally understand. Does that make sense? So this is what he was borrowing from. In, in ancient Rome, they would go for wars and conquer cities. Are you with me? They would conquer cities. And at the time, Rome was the world power until um, the Greeks, the Grecians, displaced them from world power. So they would conquer cities. And what they would do when they have conquered the city is they would capture the rulers of that city, the, the kings and governors of said cities. And they would bring them back to their own city. Are, are we on the same page? And they would march them through the city. Are we on the same page? Now, while they marched through that city, the, the head of the army would ride a horse and be in front. And he would lead all his soldiers through that city. And they would dance and hit drums and make loud music. And in their midst would be these people that they have captured. Paul says that like the head of that army, Christ leads us in a victory parade. We are his train. Do, do you get the idea now? We, we, we match with him because we are conquerors. Are we together? But he now says, to some, the savour, the smell is sweet. But to others, it's a smell of death unto death. What he was referencing was how, when they are marching these prisoners through the city, the soldiers that conquered, the music that you're hearing would be a music of joy and rejoicing. We were victorious. Is that correct? But to the ones that were conquered, the music would be a mockery. Are we on the same page? It's like, when you play FIFA, raise your hand if you play FIFA. Raise it above your head. Pastor Dan, raise your hand. <laughs> PF, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Now, if you play FIFA, there are some boys that need salvation. When they score you, they will now celebrate. 
Have you, seen, you know, normally, normal people, when you score, you just continue the game immediately. There are some people that will say, wait, let me see the goal. Then they will now celebrate that they will now do combination and celebrate and be shouting in real life. That celebration to them is joy. But to you that they scored, if they pain, die. If they pain, die. Listen, the gospel is good news to them that are saved, but it's a warning to them that are not. And so, our assignment as part of this train that we are moving on is to make sure that those to whom it is a warning receive the warning and it becomes good news to them. Praise the Lord. Are you on the same page with me? When Jesus came and he died and he was talking to his disciples, he told them, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore. Listen, Jesus is ambitious about the gospel. You should be too. The word Christian means like Christ. Is that correct? If we are truly to be like Christ, we must be ambitious about the spread of the gospel. Look around you. This is great. This is amazing. But this is not enough. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If this entire building was filled with Christians, every inch covered from the seventh floor to this floor, and there are still unbelievers outside, then we've not done enough. Today, I'm re-announcing to you the priority of this church. Our priority in this church is the souls of men. We want to elongate this train. We want more people to join this train. We want more people to celebrate with us. We want this music that we play, this joy that we have, this liberty that we have received. We want it to be good news to everyone around us. Praise the Lord. It is to some um, a savour of victory and others death. And the work is to make sure that we reduce the number of people that perceive it as death. And we will do everything within our power. We will spend all the money necessary. Listen, if you, if you know me, you will know that I don't really care for air conditioning. I can pray anywhere. I can preach anywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When I was in Abuja, when I was living in Abuja, we used to hold fellowships in a park under the tree. Why do we go out of our way to make ambience nice? Try and make the place air-conditioned to an extent and all of that. Because if that is what will be the turn-off to somebody that needs salvation, then let's take it out of the way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If somebody will walk into a service and he needs that service, but because the place is not cold, it's not freezing cold for him, he now says, I can't come here again. And that's the opportunity God gave us to reach him. Then we will make the place as cold as possible. That, okay, what else do you want? Will you listen now? Oh, 
one of the things the Holy Ghost told me when I started ministry, he told me clearly, he said, the money is for souls. That's what he told me. It's not for savings. It's for souls. I don't have an issue with a ministry saving. But if you are saving at the expense of outreach, you are wrong. I know this is not a minister's meeting, but I'm saying it. If you are saving, that is, people give money. And we could have done that though. Honestly, we could have. But if people are giving and you are saving the money at the expense of reaching out, you are wrong. We will spend and be spent for the excellency of Christ. We will. I'm just reintroducing you to our focus as a ministry. We know what we are doing. We are not running blind. We know where we are going to. Amen? Amen. I'm not shocked that we are where we are. Are you with me? And I know where we will be in three years' time. I may not be able to tell you with specifics this is how many will be in the church but I can tell you exactly what we will be preaching and doing in three years time it's the same thing we were preaching six years ago are you with me? same thing I was preaching ten years before I started the ministry and the same thing we will preach till we all die till all of us in this room we die and we are replaced by another set of people those people will now be preaching the same thing we are preaching and it is Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ in us the hope of glory. Praise the Lord. I want to show you something. Open your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read to you the testimony of this ministry and something that guides my mindset. We are starting from verse 1. We are reading the entire chapter. Therefore, Seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, read the next line together, everybody wants to go, we faint not. We faint not. Listen. I may be wrong with this number, but I'm close. I think recently, Nigeria ranks top five on the most dangerous places for Christians to live in the world. Top five. One, two, three, four, five. There are about 192 countries in the world, if, if, if I'm not wrong. And Nigeria ranks top five. So, by virtue of the fact that you are a Christian in Nigeria, Christianity, doing ministry is hard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But seeing that we have received this ministry, and we have obtained mercy from the Lord. We faint not. We faint not. We, we are not going to... Um, we, we won't relent. We won't, we won't be discouraged. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whether, whether there's money in the account or not, we won't be discouraged. Do you hear what I'm saying? What, no matter what happens, we keep on keeping on. So I can, I can make you a promise... We pin, we day here, we plaster, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We are here. We're doing God's work. We faint not. Verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, 
not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. I can say this with all of my heart. I have not been dishonest to any one of you in six years of doing ministry. We haven't, I haven't handled the word of God deceitfully for personal gain or I haven't. And I can tell you that the pastors that serve with me haven't. We've denounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We do not walk in craftiness. We do not handle the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, we commend ourselves to every one of you, your conscience, in the very sight of God. Many of you have come to meet me to say, Pastor, you offended me in this way. And many times I would immediately apologize. I'm sorry I did that. When I feel like your, your perspective on the matter is not actually objective, we'll talk through it. I commend myself to everyone of your conscience. Judge now, what have we done to rob you? In what way have we been dishonest to you? Next verse. But if our gospel be hid, it is to them that are lost. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world, this is, this is our assignment, our mission field. Are you with me? This, this is our mission field. These are the people that, are, that our gospel is hidden from. The people that we are working hard to reach. Are you with me? The people that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. So we will do everything in our power. Listen, if they are on social media, we will be there. We will go there, we will reach them. We will spend money to sponsor posts so that we will reach them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm telling you, you know, I remember I sponsored um, a sermon excerpt last year. And one of the comments under the sermon except is, ah, pastors don't sponsor posts. Business must not be moving. And I, and I thought to my, I, I, you know, there are things you don't respond to. You just, I saw it and I kept quiet. And I thought to myself, this person may be a Christian like this. And he doesn't understand that if it is to spend money to reach the lost, we will spend it. We will, there's no, listen, Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his soul or what can a man give in exchange for his soul many times we don't understand the magnitude of Jesus's statements Jesus is saying that if you liquid and um, liquidate all the wealth in this world convert it to gold and you put it on one side of the scale and you put a man's soul at the other side of the scale ten times out of ten the man's soul will tip the scale in its favor it weighs more Nothing is worth more than a soul. That was the meaning of that parable where Jesus said that the, the shepherd, he had 99 sheep. There was one that was lost. He left the 99 behind and went to look for it. Towards the end of last year, the Lord started to give us directives as a church to be more evangelistic. And so this year, we will be more evangelism-minded as individuals and as a church more evangelism minded in Lagos, in Abuja and wherever we find ourselves praise the Lord because we have a mission field that is white 
as at three years ago, I don't know the statistics now, as at three years ago, 51% of the people that lived in Nigeria were Christians. Sounds like it's majority, but you have 49% of Nigerians who are not saved. 49. 49%. 49% of 200 million people. That's almost 100 million people that are not saved. Do you know that if it was just one person, that's too much? If it was just one person unsaved, that's too much. A hundred million. Your Christianity cannot just be about God meeting your needs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It cannot be about convenience and comfort and no. That he gave his life that they which live should henceforth no longer live for themselves. There, there is a point you must get to in your life that you say from now going forward, my life is not my own. Someone else owns my life and he will dictate how I live it. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Like I said earlier, till this ministry, till the Lord comes, we preach not ourselves. I am not your perfect example. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I am not your perfect example. By privilege, by God's grace, there may be things in my life worthy of emulation. And like Paul, I would say, follow me even as I follow Christ. In the end, the plan is Christ, not me. We preach not ourselves. I'm just... So, what I'm doing is I'm giving you a guideline for what we are doing going forward. This is what we have done up until now. And in case you didn't know, this is what we are doing going forward. We preach not ourselves, but Christ. And ourselves, your servants, we serve for Christ's sake. Verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Say glory. Next verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So let me remind you, I'm flesh and blood like you. We all are. Your pastors, we are all flesh and blood like you. We have this treasure, the light of the glorious gospel that God commanded to shine out of darkness. We have that treasure in this earthen vessel. And so we are prone to mistakes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We are prone to error. We're human beings like you. We are tempted and sometimes we fall for temptations. So, as we move forward as a ministry, extend to us the grace that you have received in the name of Jesus. Extend to us the love that you have received in the name of Jesus. Knowing that, that what you honor in us is the treasure that is in us. A treasure that we didn't receive. We didn't work for rather. We didn't qualify to receive. It was bestowed on us by, God's, by, an, by an act of God's grace. That's what you honor in us. And we do not take your honor for granted. Amen. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So when we heal the sick, it's not me. When the dead is raised, it's not me. I'm a tool. There's someone using me. Your pastors are tools. There's someone using us. Amen? 
Next verse. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. So listen, we will be overwhelmed. As a church, as individuals, there will be times when we are considering all the troubles that we face in our own personal lives. But we are not perplexed. We are not distressed. We are still here. We won't leave you comfortless. We are still here for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Next verse. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Next verse. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Listen, I know I'm talking as the leader of the church to you. But this is for you as well. Always bearing about. Paul said that I may know him. And that I may know the fellowship of his suffering. Listen, let me tell you something. As a believer who is serious, who loves God, there is an amount of personal um, deprivation that you must go through in the name of Christ. Some type of suffering you must endure in the name of Christ. I'm not talking about sickness now. I'm not talking about disease. Sometimes it will be lack. Not that you didn't make money, but Christ needed that money more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes it will be insult. You, you are preaching to somebody that is, can we be honest? We have social levels in this, in this world, Abby. And you are preaching to somebody who is not on the same social level with you. Who on a normal day, when they see you outside, they will greet you, good morning, sir. And they look you in the eye, spit you in the face and insult you. And you say, I must bear in my body the dying of our Lord Jesus Christ. I must bear it. I must hold it in. Paul said, let no man trouble me for I bear upon me the marks of Christ. I must hold it in. This is the demand. This is, listen, somebody died for me. It, it's not too much for me to face embarrassment for him. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So even as I live my life in surrender to him, I would see more manifest in my, in my body, in my life, that eternal life that he promised. I will see it more evident in my life, even as I give everything to him. Next verse. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Do you know these are heavy words? Do you know these are heavy words? And it's in your Bible. Are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Verse 12. So then, death walketh in us, but life in you. This one is the testimony of your pastorate. That I can stand here, minister. Sometimes the Lord puts us through rigor. Thank you for listening. For more, Head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.